Shrink Wrap Radio number 845. Shannon Duncan on Coming Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma. And now it's time for Dr. Dave and Shrink Wrap Radio. You're on the couch again with Dr. Dave and Shrink Wrap Radio. Radio, all the psychology you need to know, and just enough to make it dangerous. It's all in your head. And now, here's your host, Dr. Dave. My guest today is Shannon Duncan. We'll be discussing his newest book, Coming Full Circle in which he shares what he learned during his own intensive multi-year process of healing trauma with the help of psychedelics. An advocate for those seeking to heal from trauma, he sincerely hopes that sharing what he learned through his experiences will be of service to those who are in need. Now, here's the interview. Shannon Duncan, welcome to Shrinkwrap Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, we're going to be discussing your newest book, Coming Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma. And first of all, let me congratulate you on the courage to tell the story of your trauma and to push through the shame surrounding it. That I, I have to say, uh, it must have taken quite a bit of strength, I would guess, to do that. It was actually, yeah, a real challenge. And there were a number of times that I would be wide awake, middle of the night, oh, <laughs> staring at the it. ceiling going, what the heck am I doing here? Oh, I can um, but it. it just, the book didn't work without the story of my own process of going through this, you know, because right. as you read, the, the book is both a memoir and a guide. And it's the intent of the book is really to help somebody understand what it is to truly heal with psychedelics so they can decide if it's the right thing for them or not. And it, j it wouldn't have worked with uh, abstract stories or, you know, um, stories of other people's stuff. And it just really right. needed to be very personal. So yeah, I, just... I totally, I totally agree. Uh, because uh, I think people would, you know, would be wondering, well, well, who's he to be telling me this stuff? You know, what's he yeah. been through? And and uh, and how has this worked for him? So I, I think you are absolutely right to anticipate that. And as challenging and as uh, sleep disturbing <laughs> as it was, <laughs> as it was to kind of commit to that. So the book is structured with a lot of the information about psychedelics and psychedelic assisted psychotherapy up front. And then at the very end, in the final chapter, we get your story uh, in, in some uh, detail. And in our conversation, I'd like to reverse that order and start okay. with the trauma. So brace yourself. Okay. 
Yeah, because, um, <clears throat> you know, for the reasons that we talked about, you know, that, that, that that's really, for some people, going to be the, the, the meat of your credibility, although the, the information that's in the f first part of the book is great. It's really essential to have a, a resource like that. It would be very essential for some of our, our listeners and viewers, I think, to know that that's going to be there in the book. Um, and uh, so, you know, just to give a foreshadow this a bit, uh, the, the trauma involves years of sexual abuse by family members yeah there was familial sexual sexual abuse and we can probably leave it at that i don't want to like give away the ending of the book <laughs> that's okay. kind of what part three is that's the whole coming full circle yeah. is you know the book has my story laced through it all the way through and it's my story of my childhood my story of uh, the process of going through psychedelic therapy and all the layers that were uncovered right. as i went yeah. And then part three is kind of where everything comes to in the book. And um, and uh, that's the coming full circle of the story. And so, you know, I think we could probably leave it at there was significant trauma. And some of that trauma was discovered deep into the psychedelic therapy work. I wasn't even aware of it when I started it. And um, it was through this uncovering and through this deep releasing that my experience of life got to change significantly. You know, so often uh, mental health and, and even a lot of what's passing for working with psychedelics today is about symptom management. You know, microdosing with psychedelics or, you know, going and taking mushrooms with a bunch of people in a yurt somewhere. That's that's all really very surface level compared to what's actually possible with psychedelics. And that's really the story. I'm, that's the whole point of what I'm trying to bring about in, in the book is that it's very possible to deeply and truly heal with psychedelics. This isn't something that you need to put yourself through you know, once a month or twice a year for the rest of your life, it's a process you can go through and have real change happen. And that's, that's really the hopeful story that's meant to come across and coming full circle. Yeah. And so it was a, it was a long process. It wasn't, then you didn't get to all the depth in, in a single session or in just a few sessions. No. Uh, how long a period of time in all with all the sessions and everything would you say it spanned just over four years four years okay yeah. and with with a lot of sessions and also with uh with two different therapists i think if i read it correctly you came to a place yeah. where you felt like the initial and you use the word medicine medicine guide so i'll, I'll use yeah. that as well so you felt that the the initial medicine guide that you worked with for a fairly long period of time, I guess. Yeah, a couple and, of years. And, and you developed a lot of trust in. and uh, But then somehow you reached a place where you felt like, wait a second, this person is, was this person giving you signals somehow that it was too much for them? What was it that, that turned the corner for you? Well, you know, one of the most important things for somebody who holds space therapeutically for psychedelics is that they've done their own deep work. 
Right. And when the client is going to a place deeper than the therapist themselves have gone, it starts becoming pretty obvious because the therapist um, reacts. It goes into places that the therapist isn't ready to go to within themselves. And so if they're really there with you, they get a little triggered. They can resist you going deeper. The, the, the energy in the room really changes. The tone in the room starts to change. Wow. And um, when I switched to a different um, support person, um, this person had gone way deep in their own work. They had really done it for real. And it gave a renewed permission in the sessions for me to open deeper and have it be safe and not resisted, yeah. you know, and it can be held with compassion that way because they're not struggling within themselves with things being triggered. And so that's, that's one of the really important points I cover in the book is how to identify somebody who's qualified to work with you, you know, cause there are, you know, because working with psychedelics in this way, there are legally sanctioned clinical trials happening, but it's mostly a more underground endeavor. And there are really good people offering these services that genuinely want to help. But there's also a lot of people offering these services that don't really know what they are doing, even though they believe they do. And so I cover that in, in, in a lot of detail in the book is what to look for and what kind of questions to ask and what, what things to consider about this person before you choose working with them. And, yeah. uh, and, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I think that's really one of the main, the main uh, weighty points of the book, really, uh, uh, because I'm, I'm also wondering, it must have been hard for you to bring that up to quotes fire the original person it was you know the um the relationship degraded a little as i think we were both kind of feeling it but it was an uncomfortable thing to approach and yeah. and finally it was just you know i just knew that i would need to find somebody with a greater capacity to hold space for me and to be fair to that first guide we didn't know the can of worms we were opening when we started you yeah, know i knew right. that my you, life was miserable <laughs> and i really struggled um, but I didn't understand yet the deep causes of it. I thought, you know, having a um, having a uh, kind of a crappy childhood with an angry, sometimes violent parent, uh, emotionally withdrawn, you know, being really being left isolated and alone most of the time. I thought that that was it. And I didn't know that all of that was built on top of this other stuff that had happened when I was very young. And so, you know, once that puzzle piece slipped into place, and I had time to really sit with it and trust it. It really changed everything. But you, you know, know um, uh, uh, go I was just going to say that not everybody needs four years of dedicated psychedelic healing work to get real progress, to have real benefit, because there are uh, war veterans having three big sessions on MDMA in the clinical trials and coming out of it feeling completely renewed. Yeah. So it's just really, it's really down to the individual. And I, I, I've come to believe just based on my own experience and talking to other people that earlier life traumas, more intense traumas, the more intensely your body protects you from re-experiencing those traumas, maybe the longer it'll take. Cause you have to go very, very gently and a little tiny piece at a time, but things that happen more when you're an adult and you've got a more developed mind, it's easier to get your head around it when the psychedelics open a space for you to see it from a different perspective. And so a, a releasing can happen much more easily, much faster. Yeah, I think that uh, probably technically it would be described as complex PTSD. 
And, that was mine, and, yeah. Yeah, and the thing that makes it complex is the fact, that, as you point out, that it was early, but also that it took place over a long period of time with yeah. uh, multiple perpetrators, and all of that makes it, turns it into the complex. Yeah, yeah, complex is, you know, you see it in spousal abuse, you see it in child abuse, you see it in people in prison. It's the constant exposure to... A fear for your life. It's a constant yeah. exposure yeah. to significant, real, deep trauma yeah. that uh, builds up over time. But they they share a lot of symptoms: complex PTSD yeah. and PTSD, as you know. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and describe for us you the person that you were before you were you know got to to the depths of healing that you did eventually get to. Sure. Um, yeah, what what kind of unhappiness, yeah, that, was, unhappy person were you? And did it show? Um, would people yeah, know that you were suffering? Did, did friends know that? Um, yeah, friends saw me go in and out of what had been called depression by my doctors. Um, they saw me go in and out of it a lot. Um, I struggled to connect to other people. So the people that were immediately around me tended to be people who also could only connect in a very shallow way. You know, I had real friendships and I, and I maintained some of those friendships, but they weren't the depth of connection that's really possible between human beings. And you don't really mm -hmm. know unless you start getting peeks at what else is possible, right? So they, they, they don't really um, connect at a depth that helps with a sense of being alone in the world or a sense of isolation in the world. And um, uh, a lot of anger issues, which is really common with PTSD and complex PTSD. Just I would get overwhelmed at times and lash out to create space around myself so I could breathe. Um, but, you know, I didn't know that's why I was doing what I was doing. I had to see it from a different perspective later um, and really just move deeper and deeper into a life of uh, pretty profound isolation. Um, just pulling myself further and further away from uh, interpersonal interactions, uh, any kind of romantic connections. Um, and I didn't understand why other than it was just all so overwhelming for me. And as I got older and older, it got more and more so. So that was, um, that's about where I was. I was, I was um, deep into using suicide ideation as kind of an escape mechanism, as an escape fantasy, you know, and it's, uh, and there was a, a point where I did I did have a suicide attempt um, when I was older, and then a couple years after that is when I had my first guided psychedelic session, and um, that was a such a profound experience. I knew that it could help me, and that's what made me choose to push forward. Yeah, how did you uh, decide to uh, that psychedelic therapy of some sort was the thing that was appropriate for you that the thing that was going to work and i note that actually you had a lot of a lot of experimentation personal experimentation with psychedelics sure. uh, recreational if you will uh mm -hmm. before this yeah yeah i you know i had i had been working with a therapist actually you know quite a few over the years mm -hmm. um, and they helped me to build my self-awareness to understand the story that I had access to and how it helped shape where I was. Um, I got, I built a lot of tools in working with them, like a uh, which is a somatic therapy. 
Yeah. I'm a huge fan of somatic therapies like somatic experiencing or Hycomi and the like. Um, I had worked with psychedelics and I didn't understand how psychedelics could go deeper. So when I would take them, I would take them sometimes in a recreational setting, but always with a mind that I wanted to learn something about myself. I was trying uh -huh. to understand myself more deeply. I was very drawn to this. And so I would take them and go for a long walk. Maybe it was acid or mushrooms or MDMA. And I would just wait to see what would occur to me that I would see something in my life as different. And, and I'd had a lot of growth with that. But the thing was, it was shallow and not deep. And I didn't know how to make psychedelics. I didn't know that I could go deeper, but I didn't know that psychedelics could go deep in that way. Anyway, it was, um, I was in a pretty dark place and I was talking to a friend and he recommended going and having a, a experience with 5-MeO-DMT. And that's just a specific kind of psychedelic. It's smoked, it's inhaled as a vapor. It hits really fast, really hard. And it's, a, it's overall duration is not all that long. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of the most powerful psychedelics in the world. And so I went and had a guided session and I didn't know what to expect. And I was actually in my mind thinking that it was a different drug than what it was. So I was expecting a different kind of experience, oh, Wow! but it cracked me open in a way that I didn't know was possible. And I kind of, you know, sometimes at the peak of a five MEO experience, you're not there, but your body is unwinding just the same. Your emotions are unwinding just the same. And when I came back to myself, I was sobbing from a depth that I, I don't think I've ever done in my whole life. And I was just releasing and releasing. And that's when I knew that, man, there's a different way to work with psychedelics that can help you to get this stuff out so that you can heal. And it's, um, that's what started the process. That, was, that person was, that held was, that ceremony was my, was, was, uh, was my first guide. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, the person that held that ceremony was my first guide. And uh, we started that two-year process of working together almost monthly. And we worked with MDMA, which is ecstasy. That's a really warming and heart opening kind of thing. So you're just, you feel so mm -hmm. safe to like talk things out or express things. Worked with mushrooms quite a bit. There was some ketamine in the mix. There was some more 5-MeO-DMT in the mix. And we would just kind of fine tune to see what felt like needed to happen for me to open the, each next layer and go uh -huh. deeper, ever deeper. Yeah. But it was that it was that first big experience that was so radically different than any other psychedelic experience I'd ever had that let me know that, oh man, there's a completely different way to use these substances very profoundly, very powerfully to get access to stuff that I have just never gotten anywhere close to with meditation, traditional therapy, hypnotherapy, just nothing could ever get in there. Nothing could get past the powerful defenses I had trying to protect me from feeling right. what was in there. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a profound life-changing discovery. And that's, that discovery is what I tried to share in coming full circle. And it's not for everyone. It's, it's not a magic bullet. It's, it's hard work and you have to be prepared to face difficult things. But the cool thing about the psychedelics is, is they give you access to do it. If you want to do it, it'll give you access to do it. And that's, think, that's the yeah, power of them. I, I think the, the powerful experience that you had is actually probably one of the biggest fears that people have about psychedelics is the fear that they will 
remember something traumatic that they've totally forgotten and uh, that they will be shocked to discover you know something i think that that's a strong fear for many people you know mostly what happens in psychedelic therapy is um, deep emotional release that's that's the most of it and that I, I believe that's where most of that the healing happens um, it also comes in profound insights where you have moments of seeing yourself or your life from a, just a different perspective, not so clouded by fear or preconceived notion or cognitive bias. You just get these moments of deep clarity that really shake you to your core. It's kind of a corrective experience all in itself. And then you bring that back with you and your life is subtly changed. And those subtle changes build up over time. Yes, some people recover memory, you know, like some people that are in car wrecks don't remember the bulk of the car wreck because it was so traumatic. Um, and not that you go to, you know, psychedelic psychotherapy to remember a car wreck, but if you release the emotion around it, but the same thing is true of different kinds of abuse or, uh, being the, the subject or a witness to violence, you know, a lot of times in war, it's the, it's the stuff we don't allow to process naturally that stays inside. And then we have these defenses that prevent life from triggering yeah. that, you know, it's, it's keeping you from, from experiencing things that are your mind perceived as too dangerous to experience. Right. Um, but by allowing yourself to, and, and seeing that you can live through it, you can release it. And that's, that's really where the healing comes in. Did either of the medicine guides uh, that you were working with have uh, professional licenses, uh, training in graduate school kind of stuff? Not that I think that that's yes. essential, but uh, I'm wondering if that was in there or not. You know, for somebody that, the answer is yes. Um, and um, for somebody that's doing basically trip setting, somebody that's just keeping another human being safe while they're, having a psychedelic experience, which usually isn't meant to be therapeutic, then just some basic training and some good uh, first aid training, you know, airway clearing, CPR, that kind of thing, the rest position, those, those are really important to know in working with somebody with psychedelics. Um, but then as you get deeper and the, the intention is more therapeutic, the more training you need. Um, and if you get what I call a medicine guide is somebody that's qualified to actually work with trauma. And my final guide was that a licensed mental health professional, deeply trained in working with uh, trauma, deeply experienced in working with trauma outside of the psychedelic space, had done their own deep work, very deep work, um, and in their own intensive sessions. They have a mentor that is much more advanced than they are so that they can, um, you know, learn and, and be guided just like any therapist is mentored when they first get out in the world um, to, to work with people. Um, and that is what allowed her to be so powerful in holding a space for me and not get in the way and not be triggered by what I'm releasing. And so she could actually hold a safe space for me to yeah. let my stuff out. And that's really the key. Um, and, you know, as you're probably aware, they're, they're far too many therapists that haven't done their own deep work. They just did yeah. the minimum to get through their program. And so what the, the help they can offer is, is, is limited by that. But with, when working with psychedelics, it goes from a two to a 1000, if you're going to turn up the volume of how important yeah. that is, because yeah. you're so much more sensitive when there's somebody else in the room, you're right. so sensitive to any little shift. And so that having done that deep work and having no, knowing how to work with trauma is just so 
integral to the process. How did you find out about this second person? And, and they were both women, um, right? No, the first one was male. Oh, and the really? second was, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, my second guide, I just networked, you know, because this is all gray market kind of stuff. Um, I always provided my own medicines, so I would, I, my own psychedelics, so I would source them and I would take a sample if I source something and mail it off because there's a, uh, there are professional labs that have federal approval to test substances to, for uh -huh. harm reduction. And so I wouldn't even trust home kits. I would mail it off and pay a hundred bucks. And in a couple of weeks, they'd put up on their website, uh, their findings. So you know that what you got is what you think you got and it's not contaminated with anything. Um, and then, you know, my guide would come over and sit for me and we would agree on what I was going to take, but it was, you know, it was mine to provide. Um, and, and in your book, you asked, you... you asked how I found there and it was networking. I started okay. asking people I knew, do you know anybody that specifically is, is geared towards working with trauma? Because it appears that that's what I'm working with and I need help. And uh, I, it was just a couple of hops before I was introduced to this person. And we met, interviewed each other. We both felt like we were a good fit to work together. And we started in earnest. Uh, I assume in your book, uh, you give people, uh, tell people where they can find these testing services. Uh, I don't discuss it in the book. Um, the, the one in the United States that I know of is uh, drugsdata.org. And they're just a, uh, they're a federally approved place for people to send in samples. You don't get them back. <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't distribute drugs, um, but they will, they will take it in and they test it with gas chromatography. So they know down to the molecular level exactly what is in that substance. So there's no guessing or, or fear of, uh, you know, running into some fentanyl or, you know, getting something completely different than what you thought you were getting, you, you know exactly what you have. And it's, it's a really important that, thing to do. Oh, yeah, that's, that sounds great. You know, I was actually part of the uh, first wave of uh, psychedelics, uh, not talking about indigenous stuff, but, you know, when I was in, in graduate school in the 60s and it was oh, yeah. starting, starting to happen, and I felt... You know, probably partly rationalization, but I felt like, well, I should know about this, and uh, you know, so I was yeah. involved with that. But the we never knew if what we were taking was what we thought it was. Never knew. Yeah. And um, yeah. so that that was you know, there was that risk, which is pretty huge. You're playing with your brain and your mind and. And all of that, as well as the uh, the legal risk and the fear of you know being found out and and uh, going to prison or something horrible happening. Yeah. So that was always kind of in the background. So it was um, it's amazing that we had some good experiences in there, given those unknowns and those yeah, fears. It's, it's, so it's great. It's That's great. a great resource great for people to know about. Yeah, you can get home testing kits. They're called reagent testing kits where you put small samples in. There's little bottles of different chemicals you drop on and then you watch the color they change to and the and, uh -huh. the, and the, process, the colors they go through to get to that color. And you match it against a card. And you usually have to do three or four steps of that. Um, but then you can, you know, like if you think you have MDMA, you might find out you have something different like MDA or cocaine. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a good way. It's not perfect. It's not as good as mailing it in, but it, it is really good for harm reduction and it should be a minimum. Um, and also now mandatory or fentanyl test strips. You can get these little 
these little paper rectangular strips and you take a bit of your your uh, your pill or whatever it is and you dissolve it in water and you dip the strip in and it'll tell you if there's a trace of fentanyl in there because you know people are thinking they're getting mdma in powder form and it turns out to be fentanyl and it's killing them yeah and almost immediately wow uh, and it's um so it's just it's just crucial to really be mindful of harm reduction if you're new to this you know do your reading there's lots of good information online about harm reduction and how to test and what to look for um and it's just you it's you're, you're risking your life. And so it's, it's really important to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I wonder if we can go more deeply into the details of your trauma. Are, are okay. you, are you willing to do that to kind of tell us the story? Well, um, you know, I'd like to not spoil the book too much. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can okay. understand that, that um, as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I've been pretty forthright that there was, you know, a, a less than ideal childhood and that I came to understand through doing this work that there had been uh, significant sexual trauma that my mind had buried powerfully. And when it started coming up, I, in sessions, my guides very wise advises, you know what, it's really important to hold it all lightly. You know, because at first I'm like, this can't be true. I've never thought this before. This can't be real. I have to be making this up. But when something is coming powerfully out of your body, I don't know if you've read that book, The Body Keeps the Score by Vander yes, Kolk. Yes. An amazing book, but it's trauma is stored in the body and that's where it's released from. And it doesn't always release memory. It doesn't always release hidden stuff. That I, I don't know how common it is, but a I'm sure it's not super common, or I assume it's not super common. Um, but when it started coming up, it was the the thing was just hold it lightly because faces and names and whatever can change over time. Maybe your mind just tries to fill in blanks of to based on what's coming out. You know, you know sexual stuff happened, but you don't know the story. You don't know who. And then over time, it starts resolving with clarity. And every step of the way, you're holding it so lightly. You're not trying to force a belief. You're not trying to force it to be untrue. You just want to know what's true to the degree that you can, you can have access to it. Um, and that just means bravely coming back in to take a deeper look every time you come back to it and allowing what wants to come out to come out, allowing your body to heal, allowing that trauma to heal. And maybe you don't ever get the full story. I mean, there's, there's aspects of what I went through that are still, there are big blanks in the story. Um, but I know the parts that have become clear and I've been able to have conversations with people that substantiate what I experienced because they had experienced the same thing from mm -hmm. the same person. Uh -huh. and, uh, and that was, uh, that was a point where I could really, I could take hard concrete evidence and compare it to what that experience was like and learn from that, learn what it yeah. feels like for something real to start um, emerging. Um, and even if you, even if, if you're going through this and you never know the actual names, the actual faces or anything, there's trauma being released. If you're releasing something from your body, it's real, even if you don't know the story of it and the releasing is the healing. And so it, it you don't have to know. I mean, if you, it's, yeah. it's cool if you can, if you want to know, but it's, um, just allowing the emotional unwinding is what buys you freedom in your everyday life. Yeah, yeah, well put. 
I forgot what the next thing I wanted to ask was. I think I had something in mind. Um, so I've got some questions that, uh, <clears throat> that I was fed by uh, your publicist. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. What's the first piece of, of advice that you would give someone looking to take this journey? Um, really educate yourself. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, like it's a magic bullet and it just magically fixes you that you can go to Ecuador and lie down with 30 other people in a yurt and do mushrooms or ayahuasca and it's going to just fix everything. And it's not been my experience of how things work at all. You know, there's a difference between, and I talk about it in the book, there's a recreational use of psychedelics, which is, you know, at a at a music festival or out camping or, you know, going on a, hanging out in the park with some friends. And then there's um, a more spiritually development, personal development level of use of psychedelics that I call expansive use. And that's where you really expand your mind open. You get a different perspective on your life. This is where powerful insights come from that can really help reshape how you relate to yourself and your experience of life. And then you can go deep into what I call medicine work. And medicine work is where you take that powerfully expanded mind and you bring it down into the dark corners uh -huh. of your own self, of your own soul. Um, uh, I talk a bit about Jungian shadow work and uh, the, the idea of shadows of parts of the self that are too dangerous to be exposed to the outside world. Right. So they get shadowed. So a lot of people do that with uh, their sexuality. Sometimes people do that with um, anger or, you know, just, it's just normal aspects of being a human that gets shadowed. And so it's, it's a way to go in and pull things out of the shadow and reintegrate them into the whole. And that's, that's what it is to become authentic and whole. And so I, I guess, I, I guess the, the one thing I'd want somebody to know to get started is there's a lot to know about it. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about it. Just people that don't really know spouting off as experts, people who've never done it spouting off as experts, just saying what sounds good. And that's why I wrote this book. I wanted somebody to have a clear understanding of what healing with psychedelics, especially deep treatment resistant trauma really is what it really looks like, what it really takes. So they can check in with themselves if this is a path they want to explore or not. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a whole big commercial movement now. As I, you know, you mentioned going off to South America or someplace and yeah. being in a yurt with 30 other people. And uh, there's a lot of that happening. And, yeah. um, and not always but, for good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in this, but, what you're describing is called the psychedelic gold rush. And there are many people <laughs> bringing up that to, turn. Yeah. Yeah, it's the psychedelic gold rush because there are companies popping up, you know, doing take home ketamine treatments, which currently are legal, which I think is a travesty. Those, those people are going to be viewed one day as just as the pill doctors that were pushing out uh, opioids like candy were. It's just, it's not good. It's not, it's not good to send people home with ketamine. It's a powerful medicine and real deep work can be done with it, but it's also psychologically addictive over time, not physically addictive like heroin, but psychologically addictive. It becomes a place you can retreat into. And it's just, it's, it's one of the many abuses of the psychedelic gold rush 
because people are popping up. There are just tons of pseudo experts, people who've gone to Burning Man and had big experiences that they felt changed their life. And so they think, oh, this is what it is. And so they're opening up clinics and places in Ecuador where you can go and, or I'm using Ecuador as an example, or um, Costa Rica or wherever, where you can go and have medicine experiences. And they're all dressed up like shaman and covered in tattoos, but they have no idea what they're doing. There are people out there that know what they're doing, but they are rapidly being outnumbered by the profiteers and the people that just had their Burning Man experience and, and mistakenly think that that's all there is. And they're popping up and offering this and directly offering healing of trauma when they're radically unqualified to do so. And so it's it's really important to keep an eye on the psychedelic gold rush aspect of things when you're when you're seeking out treatment, because there are a lot of radically uninformed people propping themselves up as shaman and gurus and guides. And they just they're they're really dangerous. That's why I talk about them so much in the book. Yeah, yeah. I like the, uh, the the sort of three-level differentiation that you gave us earlier, uh, and I think the middle one was uh, about expansion as opposed yeah. to deep medical work. Yeah, and I, yeah. And, I, and so I imagine a lot of those uh, those gold rush places maybe are tapping into that expansion kind of experience. Yeah, that's that's mostly what they're offering. That's that's all that the people running it have ever known that I've met. You know, they just really don't know and they're actually afraid to go in deeper in themselves. And there's a thing called the spiritual bypass where you have these big experiences. There, there's multiple uses for the term, but around psychedelics, people have these giant psychedelic experiences and they start considering themselves to be elevated because of it. And they can be a guide for other for others because of that, but they've never actually done their own deep internal work to unwind their own insecurities, to unwind their own cognitive biases. They haven't cleaned house, but they're trying to ascend in some way, and that just makes them highly charismatic, <laughs> but um, yeah, deeply misinformed and ultimately very dangerous to anybody trying to heal trauma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is all really valuable information. As we uh, kind of wrap up, I wonder if there's anything else that you would like to say that uh, if there are other major points that you'd like people to leave this discussion with. Um, you know, uh, maybe as a summarization, you know, my experience, my own direct experience has been that if you can come into true psychedelic healing work, with a strong intention to face uncomfortable things if you need to. It's not always that. Sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes it's ecstatic. It's it's crazy how much it can vary. But if you're willing to go through what you need to go through in order to grow and heal, that these are powerful tools to offer that. It's not going to be for everyone. Not everyone has the constitution to be able to sit with their own discomfort, to be able to face the scary parts of themselves. But if, if somebody's at a point in their life where nothing else is working, there's real opportunity here and just just do your homework, understand the process, understand who's qualified to offer it, understand what it really looks like and check in your own heart if you're really willing to do this work. But if you are, there's massive opportunity in there for you. Yeah, and I think that your book is a wonderful uh, aid to help someone be aware of and make decisions about whether they're prepared to go on the journey. And uh, that was my hope for it. That was my yeah, true hope. Writing yeah, that book was yeah, and that. 
that really comes through. Uh, so, um, Shannon Duncan, I want to thank you for being my guest today on Shrinkwrap Radio. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm reminded of the famous line from the Forrest Gump movie, life is like a box of chocolates, presumably meaning you never know which flavor you're going to get. That comes to mind in terms of my recent guest, Shannon Duncan. Before I read his book, Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma, I had not heard of him, didn't know anyone who had, and so I wasn't sure what I might be in for. I mean, lots of people are writing about psychedelics these days, and I didn't know up front how solid or qualified he would be. In fact, he gave voice to my concerns when toward the end of our interview, he said that the underlying reason he wrote the book was to educate people who might be considering a psychedelic medicine guide to help them work through their trauma issues. He warned that we are in the midst of a psychedelic gold rush in which poorly qualified individuals slash companies are rushing in to feed the demand for psychedelic adventures. He gave the somewhat hypothetical example of someone who has gone to the Burning Man Festival and perhaps had a religious experience there and thereby felt empowered to offer themselves as a psychedelic healer. They might be long on tattoos and charisma, but short on the inner work needed. He said he's met many such who are deluded about their own readiness to do such deep work. By contrast, Shannon is no newbie when it comes to either psychedelics or personal experience with trauma and its healing. He describes his own suffering from periodic depression for much of his young life. He also discovered that self-medicating with psychedelics could be a ticket to relief, at least for a while. A variety of psychotherapies were also explored during these years. Again, providing insights and tools, but none going deep enough or lasting long enough. He shared that his explorations in psychedelia tended to be solitary and in nature rather than recreational. All along, he was seeking knowledge and a deeper, lasting solution. Given that he was already positively disposed toward both psychedelics and therapy, it's not surprising that his quest would eventually lead him to a practitioner of psychedelic medicine. They worked together for around two years and were able to recover memories related to his traumas, but they reached a point where it became clear to both that this healer had not done enough of their own personal work to go to where Shannon needed to go. I think it would be clear to professionally trained therapists that Shannon suffered from what has come to be known as complex PTSD by virtue of his young age when it all happened, and by continuing over time rather than a single event, and that it was perpetrated by those who should have been repositories of trust. While he wasn't comfortable going into greater detail in our session, he did acknowledge that he was the victim of prolonged, repeated sexual assault. In his book, he's even more explicit than that. 
His memories of these events were deeply buried. Only painstaking psychedelic work allowed them to eventually be accessed. After the impasse with his initial medicine guide, he was fortunate to find another who could go the rest of the way with him. This is not to say that his journey is completely over, but he says he now enjoys greater freedom and joy in his personal life than ever before. I have to say I experienced him as an authoritative source of information about psychedelics and their use for healing deep wounds in skilled hands. I think he's achieved the goal that motivated the writing of this book, to arm others who are considering taking such a journey with the information needed to do so safely and to make an informed decision. I recommend his book to all. Once again, it is Coming Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma by Shannon Duncan. Hi, this is Dr. Kristen Lee, author of Intelligence, A New Psychology of Thinking. It's my pleasure to donate to Shrink Rap Radio, especially at a time when we're inundated with so much information that is often unhelpful and sometimes plainly false. We need evidence-based psychology, the kind that is integrated and takes into account brain science and focuses on the psyche, heart, and spirit. Dr. Dave is mindful about what he produces, helping us to think and apply new knowledge to do well and be well. Thank you, Dr. Kristen Lee, who's been a guest on the show a couple of times and who embodies the very qualities she's praising me for. Once again, time to shrink wrap it up. Thanks to today's guest, Shannon Duncan, for discussing his book, Coming Full Circle, Using Psychedelics to Heal Trauma, and for writing such a detailed, informative guide on using psychedelics to heal, bravely intertwined with the story of his own journey of healing from trauma. My guest next week will be Connie Zweig, Ph.D., discussing her latest book, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path. I hope you'll join us for this fascinating interview. Until then, this is Dr. Dave reminding you to be kind to yourselves, others, and our precious earth. You've been shrink-wrapped by Dr. Dave. All the psychology you need to know, and just enough to make you dangerous.